0: The Self-Helpful Podcast is brought to you by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping coaches to help leaders and top performers excel professionally and personally. Visit Ziggler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. In this episode of The Ziggler Show, I'm giving focus to podcasting. And Interestingly, we talk about the necessity for high audio quality, and I again apologize that mine is not as usual as I'm on a writing getaway in Florida and doing some of these things just into a little digital recorder. But we're at a time when no communication platform is growing more than podcasting. It wasn't long ago when we had a couple hundred thousand podcasts. But as you'll hear on the show, we've just now eclipsed 2 million. It has an incredibly easy entry point. You can get in with little cost and effort. The audience for podcasting continues to grow as well. So the question is, should you start a podcast? Can you get anyone to listen? If you build it, will they come? If you have been podcasting, how do you grow it? So I bring you my main podcast mentor Jordan Harbinger of the Jordan Harbinger Show. He started early on with nothing, and today his show gets over 6 million downloads per month. I'm around 400 to 450,000 for comparison. And warning, right at the outside of this show and the onset, you're going to hear Jordan flat out state he feels very few people should start. A podcast or have one Uh, don't be disheartened uh, as he qualifies this throughout the show and i strongly encourage you to listen you'll get incredible insight into podcasting and whether you will be well served or not to have one or or not Uh, this episode will give you the wisdom you need to have a valuable podcast or save yourself a lot of time money and hassle by realizing it's not a good fit so if uh, you appreciate jordan you will find him anywhere you listen to your podcast on the jordan harbinger show Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. I host three podcasts where we have candid discussions that matter regarding the root issues of personal change and growth. There are endless podcasts that will entertain and even inform you. My goal is to educate and equip you. This is The Ziggler Show, ranked number two in all-time career podcasts in Apple Podcasts, and our focus is growing your professional success by helping you grow into your full capacity. In my Motive podcast, it's devoted to helping you know what you authentically want by understanding why you really want it. And that's made clear by knowing what you truly value. In episode 28, I bring you Ashley Stahl, who worked in counterterrorism. She's got a new book titled, U-Turn, Y-O-U, Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, Design Your Dream Career. But it was her personal story that intrigued me, where at age 10, her dad had a panic attack and exclaimed to Ashley that money was going to kill him. Right then and there, Ashley vowed, I'm going to make a lot of money so that life is easy and I can save my dad from dying. The story of her motive from that point on is significant. Find it in the Motive podcast, episode 28. My True Life Podcast is aimed at getting you fully functioning physically so your body and mind can support your desires in life. In episode 71, I bring you possibly the number one tactic for healing anything you have going wrong. No joke, but it's the hardest pill to swallow ever, and most would rather be ill than do this, and it is prolonged fasting. How long? Well, listen to episode 71 of the True Life Podcast you can find all three shows in Apple Podcasts by searching for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit ziggler.com slash coach and connect with Tom Ziegler about becoming a Ziggler coach. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Jordan, in the show that we recently recorded on my motive podcast, I asked you about writing a book. You got a big audience, you know, you Mm -hmm. get a big deal. And I was greatly appreciative that you said, you know, I just don't have something specific that I want to cut a tree down for. In that Mm. same reference point, Everybody wants to start a podcast, relate that concept to that. Is it worth taking up the airwaves in essence?
1: I I mean, I I think most people should not have a a podcast. And I know that's sort of an unpopular opinion because right now, well, a lot of people disagree with that. That said, I feel like half the people that disagree with that are people that sell podcasting courses, so (laughs) I don't know if their opinion (laughs) counts that much. You know, it's kind of like, everyone has a book in them, said the guy who runs a publishing house that helps new authors publish for a nice, big, fat, flat fee of $20,000. Like, Granted. Okay. Um, So— I don't think that most people need a podcast right now. There's like 2.3 million podcasts. I
0: just heard that number. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, let's assume, I think more than half of them are dead and never coming back and have like two episodes or three, but do you need to create more noise? I mean, it's kind of like, do you need to be on Twitter? Well, not really. Do you want to create for Twitter? Okay. If not, don't go on there. Right. But people are acting like podcasting is it's, it's like having a website. Everyone goes, you need a podcast for your business. No, you don't. If I'm taking my car to Jiffy Lube to get new, whatever lube, I have an electric car. I don't know how this works, (laughs) but let's say I'm going to Jiffy Lube. I don't want to tune in to the Jiffy Lube podcast and find out what's going on. I have no interest at all. I might look at their website. I might look at social media. I'm not going to tune in and listen to two mechanics talk about lubrication for 30 minutes or whatever, right? It doesn't make any sense. So people who think like, oh, I'm, I'm a creator. I need a podcast. Not really. In fact, I think you can damage your brand quite well, <laughs> quite effectively by having a bad podcast. You know, if I'm interested in your work as an author, And then I tune into your podcast and it's not well produced and you're kind of boring. You're not great at explaining things because you're not super entertaining, but you're a brilliant writer. Do I want to read your book now? Or do I think, wow, what a boring old cooj cooge, whatever the word is. I don't really want to deal with this guy. And there's a lot of people who are brilliant, brilliant, brilliant creators and scientists. I don't really want to hear them talk. They're not that entertaining. Even with an interesting and engaging host, uh, a lot of podcasts, uh, let, let me rephrase this. When I interview people for the Jordan Harbinger show, there's a lot of people who are really interesting. They're just sort of natural storytellers, some of these mafia enforcer guys or, you know, really brilliant writers and things like that. There's also people that are not that great and require a lot of editing and I have to pull out stories and I'm pulling teeth and I'm trying to juice them up and jazz them up and make them interesting. And I'm throwing in jokes and personality. And at the end they edit, you know, they, my team edits everything down and it's a good interview But that doesn't mean that that person can go start a podcast and sound that good every time. That required multiple professionals to make that happen. And I think everybody who can plug in a microphone to their computer and speak English now has been convinced by marketers that they can slash should have a podcast. And it's totally ridiculous. You can no sooner start a podcast that's going to be successful than I could by virtue of the fact that I can speak English and plug in a microphone, become a singer.
0: What do you think? and I'm authentically curious because I don't know. I look at you as as far more expert in the industry than I am. So when you've got mm-hmm. I remember not long ago when it seems like there was a couple hundred thousand podcasts, and yes. then it seems like yesterday there was a million. and now they're, they're, you're the second person in about a week that says no, it's it's two million now. Now, granted, a lot of those are, are junk, but I'm kind of wondering where, where's the, where's this going to fall out? I mean, is this going to be like TV networks and we're going to see the franchises? Cause we know that that's happening a lot. There's, you know, Wondery and, and, uh, Gimlet and yeah, I, I don't know. Really, I can't even keep up with them anymore, but the, their housing, you know, and trying to have their network of shows, is it going to go that way? You're positing on that, or are we going to have room for independence? Or is this like, or is this like a book where these days, if you've got a, especially a, a nonfiction book, if you don't have an audience, you're not going to get a deal. You can go try to sell right. it yourself. You're not going to get a deal if you have an audience. Sure. So is that what you would say on the podcast side? Yeah. If you gain an audience somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, building your audience in podcasting is really tough. I know it firsthand and very few people are doing it to the same, at the same scale as we are. Um, a lot of people are trying to bring their existing audience to podcasting, which is Honestly, it has limited success, right? There's the the space is littered with companies that go, oh, we have money, let's hire celebrities and have them make podcasts, and they they have these celebrities make podcasts, and they go, oh, how would we lose one hundred eighty five thousand dollars on or four hundred eighty five thousand dollars on twelve episodes of the whatever show? I don't want to name names. But these things just get lit on fire. I mean, there's there are companies right now where people in, behind closed doors complaining about how they burned two plus million dollars hiring famous comedian so and so to do an episode uh, to do 12 episodes of a show that no one cared about. And, and by no one, I mean, maybe they got 10,000, 20,000 downloads per episode, but they really needed like 180,000 downloads per episode to make that thing break even. Or, or possibly they needed more than that. And so they're finding that many creators are not uh, uh, able to compete in the space. And I, I actually love that because the space isn't going anywhere. A lot of the fiction writers and, and independents are able to do well, but you can't just... like it, I'm not going to get crushed by uh, Will Ferrell because he has a podcast and it's just doing okay. It's not smashing anything. And so that's great because it's kind of like podcasting is the great equalizer. Like you can come in... And you can do okay or you can do well if you really focus on it and you get good at the craft, just like writing. But what you can't do, what you could do in writing, is you can just say, hey, you know what? We're going to have somebody famous write a book, and then there's going to be a subset of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that are going to buy it just because that guy is Rudy Giuliani. It doesn't have to be a good book. It just Michael Cohen writes a book. It's going to sell a bunch of copies. Why? Because they're dishing on Donald Trump. Whatever. Whether you love him or you hate him, you want to get that book and find out what's in there. That doesn't work with podcasting. Yeah. So you actually have to have a good show to 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 make it in podcasting, which is actually like as much as I just sort of may have discouraged a few people. That's actually really good for creators that come in and really like doing a show because what it means is you can have a show about hackers or computer hackers or whatever it is or flowers. And you can come in and go, well, I'm not famous, but you can do okay in the space because you do the best show in that particular niche. And you're not going to come in and get bowled over by ESPN.
0: So talk about what you just said there in regards to entertainment. I haven't done this in a while. So I went to iTunes today and just pulled up mm-hmm. the all categories and looked at them. And I think the top 14, it was just whatever screen size I had open. Nine of them were true or uh, uh, crime. Yeah. It's Uh, all true crime, all true crime. Nine of them were true crime. Two of them were news. Three of them were comedians or or comedies. And one of the comedies was about true crime. So I'm going to put that on the entertainment. And I kind of riff on that a little bit. I say, Hey, the folks listening to my show are an aspiring people. If they weren't, they would be over here listening to true crime and just doing entertainment. But when you talk about creators, Somebody who does maybe have the chops to do something here, where are you on the, you know, is it an entertaining show or are you going to put the weight on? And they have the ability to build a relationship with the listener.
1: I mean, look, it's always about the relationship with the listener, but nobody wants to listen to somebody who's boring and nobody wants to listen to somebody who's not entertaining, even if it's an educational show, you know, remember uh, your college courses Which teachers do you remember and which ones did you pay attention to? Well, it wasn't your favorite subject necessarily. It was your favorite teacher. So I remember having linguistics courses in college. I don't remember any linguistics, but I remember the class was really interesting and fun because – the teacher was cool and fun and easygoing and had like a british accent or something like that and that was cool and she was really jo- jovial and jocular that that was great but i also remember really interesting classes with su- in terms of subject matter where the teacher was so boring i ended up either dropping it or switching out of that course. And I remember thinking, I got to remember to study this later and read about it because it's so interesting, but the presentation sucks. So presentation matters far more than the actual content, you know? And, and again, with like, with true crime, there are so many of those. Well, what's the difference? Somebody finds the most interesting crimes. Okay. Maybe that's some of it, but like, once you get to murder or whatever, and who done it, it all, it all depends on the host. Right, and do people feel like they can relate to the host? Are they, are they enjoying those stories along with the host? Because you can just find anybody to narrate a crime story, but the ones that are successful are the ones where the, it's usually women, right? Women love true crime. Generally, looking at the numbers, it's generally women talking about. They're giving an update on their vacation and their dog, and then they're talking about how they found the story and how they went to the, the crime scene to do some like talking with people and get some tape and how weird that was, and everyone's like kind of enjoying that along with them. For me, uh, it's funny. Somebody today said, uh, I, I interviewed Ray Dalio recently. And again, yesterday, uh, the episode came out and somebody emailed me and said, Hey, Jordan, I love your show. I've been following you for a while. But one thing I would say is sometimes you talk too much during your shows. You should let the guests speak more, which I never get that feedback. I usually get thanks for letting the guests speak, you know, great balance between host and guests. And I said, look, I actually disagree because if I talk less or almost not at all, and I just let the guests talk, one, people who don't do podcasts have no idea that you have to control a guest. You can't just, it's not like find interesting person, wind them up and let them go. That's miserable because most people don't know how to be, again, how to be entertaining or present things well. They ramble. Um, I'm possibly doing some of that right now. But you know, you you can't really just get away with that. And additionally, if, if I'm just giving Ray Dalio a platform, then- all I'm doing, my show, the Jordan Harbinger show episode with Ray Dalio or the Jordan Harbinger show in general is only going to be as good as anyone else who can book that same guest. Yeah. So I'm commoditizing myself by taking my personality out of it. And you don't really want to do that unless you have very unique guest selection ability. Like you're a super famous Hollywood producer. So you know, every A-lister, go ahead and start a podcast and invite on your top 25 world-famous friends, and you'll probably be successful enough. But if you're like me, you have to make that show interesting. Yeah, And you do that by adding in your personality and by being somebody who can relate to the audience. Because there's a lot of shows out there that I'm sure have interesting subject matter, but I don't care and I'll never find them because I don't care about the host.
0: So I'm going to tell you, I, just as we're talking here, I got a text from my dad. He says, it was a mind-blowing episode, 485 with Lee Leah. Uh, Remini. Remini.
1: Yeah.
0: Remini. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He says, my one surviving Hollywood and a Scientology. And I hear that, but you have such, you do such an intriguing job. You are, I, uh, uh, you're a master of doing this. And often when I listen to your shows, it puts me back to, I got to do some more homework on this. How am I being not just a commodity, uh, in this space? So what you're bringing us to ultimately though, is everybody's saying, Hey, I've got a business. I should do a podcast. You're saying, are you a podcaster? Does this fit you? And I'll never forget it. I invested way too much a long time ago back when Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, was doing Wine Library TV and his engagement was just uh, it was just astronomical to me. And I thought mm-hmm. I got to do that. And so I did. I paid the money, I did a studio, I did all the stuff and I started and real quick realized I'm not Gary V. People love mm-hmm. to watch him on Wine TV or Wine Library TV because he's got the bottle of wine. He's got something to show you. He's spitting in a helmet and he has interesting guests on and he's super animated. I'm not super, I'm I'm none of those things. I'm a talking head. That was Mm -hmm. it. I'm, I'm much more suited to podcasting, not that. So to come over here and you said so much about, is it something, are you interesting to talk with? Do you have a good, you have a great radio voice. I mean, in all honesty, if you listen to the Timber, is that what they would call it or whatever? I'm not even sure what Timber is. But uh, it's something it. like yeah. that. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds techie. I'm going to Google that right uh, now. Yeah. Uh, but you do, you have a good, it's, it's inviting there. I know that I tend to speak really fast and sometimes I can get kind of gravelly with my voice and realize, man, people can listen to anybody. Do they want to listen to my voice? Am I engaging? Am I rambling on? Can I speak for a minute without saying, um, or like, you know, and you're bringing us to say, no, this is a craft Mm -hmm. Do you have the chops for it? That's where we start. Fair? You are listening to The Ziegler Show in this episode with podcast master, Jordan Harbinger of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Next, Jordan schools us on how much it takes to become a master. Uh, Here are some great products and services. Then we're going to get right back to it. but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin.
1: Yeah, fair. And you can build the chops for it, but but I think people need to be realistic about what it takes to do that you know a lot of people again I, they say oh, i can plug in a mic and speak english i was doing the jordan harbinger show or my old show that became the jordan harbinger show i did that for years before really doing anything with it to monetize it other than sell some coaching which i don't even do anymore and then I remember on my seven year anniversary of doing the show, it was like episode number, you know, 400 or whatever, or probably, you know, 270 or something like that. Realistically speaking, it was like seven years in, I interviewed one of my favorite authors, Robert Green, and he was like, oh, you're pretty good at this. And I was like, you know, that's funny because I'm just feeling like I'm starting to get the hang of it. This is seven years in. Now, if you do it full time, even more than I was, Maybe you'll get better faster. Maybe you have more talent than I do. That's definitely possible. But I think a lot of folks think, oh, I'm just going to do like 10 episodes and I'll get the hang of it. You might get the hang of it, but there's not going to be anything special about what you're doing for literally years, right? It's, um, it's just not really how things work. It's not how skills work. You're going to be in the middle of the pack skill-wise for a lot of time. And a lot of reps are going to be in there before you're in the top, let's say, 10%. And we already know that the top one, most of the money in podcasting, like if you want to make a job out of it, a living out of it, you really, not only do you have to be in the top 1%, you probably have to be in the top sub 1% because I think 1% is like, well, let's just say you have to be in the top 1%. We'll make the math easy. But that's 37,000 downloads per episode or something like that. That's a lot of people. And you may run a show for half a decade and not get half of that. You might not even get a third of that in five years of aggressive promotion, doing it regularly. So I I always say this because I want to discourage people from thinking it's an easy win because you're just going to start waste time and quit. I want people who go, I don't care what you say. It really seems cool, really seems fun. I'm going to do it. It's a hobby. Okay, fine, I don't care. Those are the people who succeed long-term because they start off as a hobby, and then they're like, well, I'm really passionate about uh, painting Warhammer figurines, so I'm going to do the Warhammer figurine painting podcast. And they do it for years and years and years, and they're getting free Warhammer stuff, so they're happy. And then eventually somebody comes up with a painting kit and they're like, can I advertise on your show? So now you got a free painting kit and you're getting a a hundred bucks an episode. You're thrilled. Right. But in order to build a business out of it, you really do have to have like a larger audience that's broad or you're generating clients for your law firm or something along those lines. And it is a craft. I mean, it is radio. You have to think about it like radio. Not everyone's going to be good at being on the radio. Just because you ha- ha- or have the ability to get in front of the microphone does not make you qualified to do it, just like being able to write in English doesn't make you able to be a lawyer in that same language, right? It's an actual skill, and I think a lot of people just don't really realize that. They also, uh, the other thing is um, marketing a show is a completely different skill that is, com- that is candidly unrelated To running the show itself so I know a lot of people that have all kinds of talent all kinds of experience they were on satellite radio for 15 years whatever it was international you know nationally syndicated show they start their podcast and they're like "Uh, hey Jordan how do we get this thing going we have 1200 listeners right now and we were on satellite we had 300,000 well okay when you're on the radio the audience comes to you because they're listening to the radio In podcasting they have to go and look for you yeah Oh, okay, well, we put our show on Apple and Spotify. Why aren't they finding us? Because they're not looking for you. You existed on the radio. You were able to, you know, you were standing at the bullseye. Surprise, surprise. Some people hit the target, right? You were just sitting there. That's like fishing with a net at the mouth of a river, and you're going, I'm so good at fishing. Look at all these fish that are just swimming right into the net. That's radio. Podcasting is you're fishing in a giant pond there's maybe a few fish in there and you're just casting reeling get a fish every now and then put it in the bucket casting you're doing that for years so people who are on radio and have a bunch of skills they still have to develop the skill set of marketing the show so you have to be good at creating the show and then good at marketing the show those are discrete skill sets that most people don't have Uh, most people don't have that let's say in one person One person doesn't generally have both. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Speaking of not being talented uh, and not (laughs) being able to market or articulate yourself.
0: Well, I want to, I want to ask some about the marketing, but I want to come back. Okay. So the majority of the people listening to this are going to be in the nonfiction space, personal development, self-help. They've got businesses, they've got a product, they've got a service, they're doing coaching, they're realtors, you know, know, whatever it may be, they may have a, a bigger business. And Are there some though who you would say could help subsidize their business? This is another channel. Now I'm interested in that channels. Back when social media is a long time ago, and I'm not a social media expert uh, at all. I don't I don't participate a ton these days. But the idea was, oh, you should have a channel there. Some people do participate. On Twitter. And so that's where they're going to be involved with you. Some do like LinkedIn, some like Instagram, some like Facebook. So have a channel there so people can do that. So we could obviously say, you know, now we got YouTube. We could say, oh, you know, some people do listen to podcasts. Are there some folks with a business effort out there? He would say they might be well served to communicate with their audience different than saying, oh, I'm going to knock it out of the park and make a bunch of money with podcasting.
1: Yeah. Can you, can you find find me the
0: question in there? The question is, are there some who have a business and it would be relevant for them to have a podcast to communicate with their audience? Not so much as uh, they're looking at business itself. Yes. Yeah. So
1: I'm sure there is And some examples that come to mind are, let's say you're a consultant for something that is not necessarily like business consulting. Let's say you're really good at marketing certain kinds of businesses, or you figured out a really good turnkey way for dance studios to get more clientele. So you come up with like the dance studio manager podcast and everybody who's a dance studio man, you know, you're able to share this. It makes sense. You're sharing tools that you've built and things like that. And they can hire you at a specialized rate to get more dance studio or yoga studio customers or karate studio customers. That's a great niche. And then you can share helpful advice and things like that on the podcast but it's basically lead gen, you know, like those types of businesses. Or let's say that you're a, 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 an intellectual property lawyer for, for writers. You can give some techniques and some tips and things like that, basically things you could do in an email newsletter you could do via podcast, and that would generate a nicer relationship. But then you should also debatably or not debatably have an email newsletter to go along with it because not everybody wants to consume your podcast. So, yes, the answer is yes. And I think most people start there and should start there where they've got another business. The podcast is lead generation, right? They're a real estate agent. Their podcast is about amazing properties in California. So people who are looking for amazing properties in California or rental properties, you know, making money doing rent rental properties or Airbnbs. Those are the types of people that can start with a podcast because the number of people listening really doesn't matter. You know, if you get a thousand people listening to your Airbnb make, you know, your make money and retire early on Airbnb podcast, a thousand people. It's not a huge amount of people in terms of podcasting, but it's a huge amount of people. If you're selling a $75 beginner course on getting your Airbnb listing to the top of the the charts and blah, blah, blah. And then you've got your $3,000, you know, annual mastermind where you teach people how to make six figures on Airbnb and flip properties or whatever. I don't know anything about this space. Obviously I'm talking out of my, you know what, but that's the kind of thing where it doesn't matter if you only have 1500 people or a thousand people listening. Cause it's lead gen for your info product company, for your law firm, for your consulting group, things like that. Now that's a great place to start. Um, But that again, remember, that means you have to have another business and another skill of running that business, and then the podcasting is a marketing channel. But I want to be very clear here. In the beginning of the show, we talked about whether you need to have a podcast. And I want to be clear, you don't need to have a podcast. Most people who are selling courses or consulting, they don't have to have a podcast, they do have to have a website. They don't have to have a podcast, you know, and, and there's a big difference. So if you don't enjoy it, don't do it because everybody can tell when you don't enjoy what you're talking about. It's really obvious and it, it's sort of painful to even listen to. And and that said, uh, start it as a hobby, test it, see if there's ROI. Uh, and if it's not supposed to make money, stop thinking about it making money because you ruin your hobby. You know, going back to the guy who's, who is in his basement painting the little war, hammer figurines, right? The little, or the Dungeons and Dragons figurines. The quickest way to ruin that is to go, how do I 10X the audience so that I can retire and just do this podcast? That's the quickest way to hate every second of creating because you're going to end up marketing 90% of the time. And that that's not fun for everyone. You know, it, it really isn't. So there is a balance between learning how to market your show and learning how to do the show itself. And you have to make sure that you actually enjoy both because you can't ever stop marketing, Unless you want to stop making money with it, which is fine again, which is totally fine. But then you have a hobby and you have to be really clear on whether you have a hobby or a business.
0: How do you cat- categorize, uh, categorize some podcast to a degree you have. I mean, you're a full-time podcaster. Your show is the product. Yeah. I mean, that, yes. that is now, you know, a lot of people who have one that's not near your category, but it is help and sell courses, mm-hmm. books uh, whatnot, give some, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to frame it as how do you make money, but how do you see people benefiting? Give us a few examples of benefiting their business efforts, their passion, whatever benefiting, even though they're not up here vying for the type of numbers that you get. Yeah.
1: I mean, we can easily just look in some of the categories here. I'm looking at the education category right and i see some guy who is teaching people how to remember things better and he's got a podcast and i see one from and he's got online courses and he uses that to monetize i see ryan holiday the daily stoic yeah you know he's using that to sell books and some other things that he markets and sells right the pot and he's got advertising on that podcast because it is actually quite a decently large audience um i also see some people it looks like Law of self-defense is one of them, right? So that's an attorney. There's a couple of podcasts where people are teaching foreign languages. Those, I assume, have upsells to an app and or a language um, course in there. There's some financial wellness, if you will, podcasts in here. There's leadership consulting in here. Uh, There's a lot of different little businesses like that. Is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah, those types of. Yeah, Yeah. that's that I think is. Those are the types of businesses that generally make have a benefit from being in this particular space. I see some fitness people in a different category. I'm sure they have diets and
0: different books that you can buy and things
1: along those lines
0: as well. But then again, we're back to, you would ask that person who may be looking and seeing what it benefit me is, is this something not that it fits their business, but that fits them. Can they do a good show? I mean, talk on, on just that right there, because you know, there's so many people and I podcast movement community, something on Facebook and I see Mm -hmm. them sometimes. And I've literally, it blows my mind to see people who come on and go, Hey, I'm going to start a podcast. I think, what should I talk about?
1: Yeah. Look, if you are the type of person that can endlessly sort of talk about your subject matter and not go off into rambly tangents all the time. And you have a lot of interesting content that people can use, right? I always think in, uh, in terms of benefit for the listener, you know, I, I can definitely crack jokes and talk about what I did yesterday and talk about my trip to wherever, but nobody really cares. You know, you have to think about what's in it for the audience. What is it in for the audience? If you're an attorney and you're talking about, intellectual property for writers and how those people can protect their IP, you better be able to start talking real concretely about what they need to do registering copyrights or trademarks and making sure that this asset and that asset are protected and how they can possibly do that. And it has to be a balance of here are specific things you can do now. Here are specific resources for you to take uh, take up. And then also making that relationship personal with them um, by including a little bit of your life so that you're not totally stoic uh, and cold. But also you're not talking about taking your dog to the vet for 20 minutes because right. nobody really cares. Uh, and those that do are in the minority. And you have to make sure that you're also not just giving away tons of free content, therefore nobody needs you. I actually like giving away so much that people wonder what the per, the stuff is that you buy. And that's not hard. If you're an attorney, everything is going to be tailored, right? Services are always tailored. Consulting, same thing. But I think a lot of folks who have specific advice, you know, you're going to want to be able to give that advice, talk about that advice, and then figure out a way to get people to want to buy more without saying, and for more, come and buy my thing, because when you sell hard like that, people resent it. So you have to be able to soft sell, you have to be able to keep people engaged. And remember... Every listener you have is yours to lose, so you want to make sure that you're bringing people back every single week or whatever for more content, not just getting what they want and leave, and also not just going, this person's never going to deliver because all they're doing is teasing. And you know, We see that with marketers all the time, right? Like, the number one secret to da-da-da, and you listen to the whole thing, and there's no secret, and you're just like, you know all what? Right. This guy abused my trust. I'm out. One star and i see people i see people do that all the time that used to work in online marketing right you could have an 18 page sales letter the one trick and you see it in banner ads that are like are poorly converting three things scientists don't want you to know the the efficacy of that has gone into the absolute basement in the past few years and it's not going to ever get any better. You can do that about once on a podcast before you lose someone forever. So that's, again, what I love about podcasting is you can build a trust, trusting relationship with your listener or between you and the listener, but if you screw it up, you're, you're done. So a lot of the great marketers out there are terrible at this. So they leave podcasting alone. And a lot of the people who are really good at this and aren't great marketers are still able to build an audience and then slowly build over time. Now, if they were better marketers, they'd build faster and make more money, but that's, that's what we talked about before.
0: The, you know, looking at the styles, I mean, we've got obviously interview format, especially in this scenario and the audience we're speaking to here. That's the one that you come to, to begin with. And you think you're going to have a good conversation. Hopefully, hopefully you can bring somebody on big with a big name that gives you credibility. Mm -hmm. And of course, hopefully they'll promote that they were on your show, which hardly ever happens. Not going to happen, but yeah, exactly. (laughs) Not going to happen. But talk about being, I'm going to ask you how you do it or how you view it. I think I think I understand it somewhat, but I have a show that's pretty uh, well, I have 3 podcasts now that are on specific areas. I bring people on where I feel pretty masterful myself in the knowledge of what they're going to talk about so we can have a conversation. It's not something I don't bring on finance people and talk about finance because I know nothing about finance. It's not my area. I talk about mm-hmm. personal development and aspects of that. To a degree, I I would say you do that, but then you bring on some crazy people, you know, yeah. And the mafia and whatever. And I don't know yeah. that you have mafia experience, but I do know yeah. that you are pretty good in just your conversationalist and personal behavior. And there are the aspects of queuing in even to the person I've talked, uh, I've talked so long about you being kind of the modern, how to win friends and influence people. I mean, you pay attention to cues, you understand people, you hear what they're saying, you see how they're acting and you tune into that. And that's what makes you be so great. I, I think I do that to some degree, but again, I stay more in one lane. So I think it's easier Mm -hmm. for me than you do. I mean, again, we're talking about the craft and the skill of that, but talk to the, your perspective opinion on expertise in that area, especially if you're looking at being an interviewer, as opposed to what you said, just kind of showcasing somebody and you're anonymous.
1: You know, I spent, I did spend 10 years in the personal development space, right? right. So I spent 10 years cutting my teeth on. Brilliant. give me the best thing for this. And this, you know, I read this book and then the, how does that compare to this and the self-development space. So I became kind of a deep expert in that space. And then I decided, eh, I don't want to keep talking about this forever. Right. Cause I originally started off talking about dating and relationships. And yeah. that was like, all right, I'm married. Now I have a kid. Do I want to talk, uh, you know, for, first of all, talk about imposter syndrome. You're a fraud. If you're talking about dating and relationships after you're married, because <laughs> you don't really know what it's like, like you're pretending, right. you know, what it's like on Tinder and Bumble, but you've probably seen it for five, minutes once and you've never gone out with those people even if you're like I'm using the app you know you're not dating someone right now so it's it's kind of not there it's not that I'm not into self-help or self-development anymore but I wanted to branch out my interests and so I went from dating and relationships to self-help in general to and you know what I'm just going to talk about whatever I'm interested in because as I built a relationship with my listeners on what was to become the Jordan Harbinger show as I built that relationship People, I, I'd say, you know what? I'm going to do an episode that's a little different. Let me have on this mafia guy, and people would go, "That was so interesting. You should do more of those." And then I go, "All right, let me have on Ray Dalio. You know, an invest amazing investor. Let me have on Leah Remini, uh, who your dad mentioned, right? With the um, who escaped the the." and I put this in air quotes, church of Scientology, um, because it's, eh, I don't know what you think. I know you're a man of faith. I don't know what you think about people sort of misusing the word church. It seems a little,
0: I I, I think a lot, but go ahead. Yeah.
1: I bet you do. I bet you do. Um, and so where was I, I got dragged into that one. So what I was, so I wanted to do things that I was interested
0: in. Interesting people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even that you were interested in is, is brilliant right there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is the key. And you know, There's a big difference because a lot of folks will go, all right, I have to do what my audience is interested in, which is personal development. For example, that is true, but you can slowly pivot out. And I say slowly pivot out if you're interested in, in branching out and you have to do it slowly because what you don't want to do, and I've seen shows do this and it is as big of a train wreck as you, as you can imagine, they'll go, I, there was a show a while ago. I don't want to give away the name, but it was basically about like productivity and the guy said, you know what? I also like comedy and I'm trying my hand at stand up. So he just started telling jokes on the show and it did not go over well at all. He had five, six thousand listeners for the first few months and then he went down to like one and i said what happened and he goes i don't know i think it's because i changed my format i said how could changing and i'm thinking changing format like you started taking questions at the end or you stopped and i said well what what did you do and he goes i went from talking about productivity to you know like telling jokes that i liked and testing new material and i said "New what material like productivity material and he goes no i'm just like really into comedy down like, okay hold up You can't just, if somebody walks into a vegetarian restaurant and you go, you know what, today we're a steakhouse, you're in trouble, right? That's a problem. People are going to turn around and walk out. But if you're a a vegetarian restaurant and you say, hey, today we have something that's actually vegan, not vegetarian, or you're a vegetarian or vegan restaurant and you say, hey, today we have something vegetarian but it's not fully vegan, you're probably not going to have people storm out the front door. They're going to go, eh, I'll try something new. I'll make a little bit of a right turn on this and see how I feel about it. Yeah. Right. It's pork instead of chicken or beef instead of pork. You don't want to say it's uh, lab grown meat instead of chicken. It's like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. You know, I'm just not sure I'm emotionally prepared for it. You don't want to do that to your audience. So if you're going to try and change formats or move things uh, around, you know, I didn't go from dating and relationships and then say, and today we have a mafia guy. I said, dating and relationships for years. Hey, I'm going to try this one. It's not a regular episode. It's just a really interesting guy that I know who's in the mob or was in the mob. What do you think? People loved it. Then I did like one of those a month, and and now I can do them whatever I want because I've got I've slowly turned the tanker ship that is the Jordan Harbinger Show, the podcast, in a different direction. I didn't say thanks for getting on this cruise ship. By the way, we're actually carrying oil, and there's no shuffleboard.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. So, speak to the consistency. That is one of the things that I have. I've been following you for years, and I've seen you do that, and and kind of move and shift in these little incremental things. That was I, I violated that so badly when I began hacking away at podcasting as this side gig, and I was not. I am not a consistent person. I like. I live my <clears> life to be spontaneous and to do things sporadically, and so I would do that on the shows, and then started following people like you and realize you don't do that. And you are really, I, I would say, well, just speak to that. What is it with the podcasting audience? I do it because I'm following best business practices. I can't say that I understand it because I'm, I'm not a huge podcast listener. I'm a reader. So I, I do that, but it seems like in podcasting, people are very unforgiving of, you know, even things like audio quality, but even consistency, mm. they want to hear, they want to know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And I I don't get the psychology behind that necessarily, but I see it seems to be paramount.
1: Yeah. So there's, this is the first time I'm talking about this. So I'm going to try and figure out how to put this together in a cohesive way, coherent way. That's okay. I'm
0: just glad to get something you haven't talked about before. Brilliant. So,
1: So yeah, of course. So there's, I've been thinking about this because every day we get feedback from fans. And people write in, you know, hey, Jordan, loved this. And one of the best pieces of feedback that I've gotten started to get recently, pretty much every day for the past, let's say, six months to a year. Uh, I, I see people write in and say something along the lines of even the guests I don't think I'm going to be interested in, I listen to anyway, and I'm never disappointed. Some variation of that. What that means is over the years— We've built enough trust with the audience where I say, hey, I know you tuned in for Leah Remini escaping the Church of Scientology, and now I've got this mafia enforcer on or this art forger or this counterfeiter. I know you don't think that you want to hear that, but you know that every time you've listened to something from me, Uh even if you think you're not into it, that you like it. So it's kind of like cooking a new dish. For your wife or vice versa, Mm -hmm. right? You don't go, what the hell? I thought we were having spaghetti and throw the plate across the room, right? You don't do that. Well, at least I I assume you and I don't do that. Some people probably do that,
0: right? Italians. (laughs) But, But like, you know, you go,
1: all right, I'll try it because you know what I like and y- everything that you create is high quality. Maybe I shouldn't use a personal example. Maybe we should say you go into your favorite restaurant and you order something and the chef walks out and says, look, I know you always order the spaghetti, but try this. You're going to love yeah. it. It's gnocchi, you know, and y- you don't go, you know what? No, I want the spaghetti and I want it now. You go fine. All right. Surprise me. Right. <laughs> Let me see what you got. Yeah. And that's what you want. That's the relationship, what you want, that you want with your audience, because then you can get them to try new things. And that's what allows you to branch out slowly. Um, that's what allows you to, to change what you do while not losing your audience. That said, if you've got a show and it's mostly about dating and relationships, like my old show used to be the new episodes where you have an investor on, they may be less popular in the beginning, but then as you slowly pivot, you'll see that change. And so an an example of this is, um, years ago, I got the uh, I started to get all these people emailing me and asking for advice from anything on how do I get a raise at work? How do I quit my job without burning a bridge with my boss? How do I straighten this issue out with my husband? Whatever the issue was. So I started answering questions on Feedback Friday. We call yeah. it. And Feedback Friday is just me and my producer answering questions that came into the inbox and the Feedback Friday inbox. When we first started those, people listened to the first one, they were like, "Eh, whatever." I kept doing them. People were skipping them. The numbers were lower. Years later, they are by far, in a way, the most popular episodes of the Jordan Harbinger show. They wow. always are. And, uh, the, uh, you know, all I can assume is that people went, oh, these are good because they tried it. One time they were out of stuff to listen to and they went, oh, I'll listen to this stupid Feedback Friday thing that he's got in the Or Like, ah, I'm in the car already and it's already playing. And they went, oh, that's pretty interesting. I like that. Now, there's people that say that those are their favorites, and that's the majority. Whenever I ask for people's favorites, they always say, of course, Feedback Friday is my favorite, but I also liked your Ray Dalio or your Matthew McConaughey interview. That was great, too. But the majority of people seem to appreciate the Feedback Friday episodes. The reason is because I built enough trust with them that they want that, and also that has the compounding effect of being the one where I am the actual center of that particular episode because I'm the one giving the advice, me and my producer— And so they're getting more Jordan Harbinger. That's like the consistent thing. That's the consistent element on those Friday shows is that it's always me. So they don't have to decide whether or not they like that guest or they're interested. They just know "Eh, it's Jordan doing it. It's going to be good. So they download it. That's what you want to create with your audience because – If you run a self-development show and then you say, you know what, this is just a really, really interesting story from somebody, you might get people that go, eh, I don't care. I'm here for productivity tips. But if once a month or every other week or however often your show is, you're doing one episode that's a little out of the ordinary, but you're consistently doing it and they're high quality, you'll have a segment of your audience that says, you know, I came here for the uh, tips on – straightening out my bookshelf and getting more emails done. But I stayed for the story with the guy who printed $250 million in U S currency or the actor or the writer, you know, those are the types of, of experiences that you can sort of get, you can get your It's I have a baby he's 20 months old. He doesn't want to eat new things, Yeah. but then sometimes I'm like, you have to eat this and I'm going to hold this fork in front of your mouth and and then be annoying until you just eat it. And I'll feed him like a mushroom and he'll be like, I don't want that. I don't want that. He'll eat the mushroom. And then the first time he'll spit it out and then I'll give him another one and he'll eat it and he'll go, all right, this isn't so bad. Mm -hmm. You know what? And now he only wants to eat mushrooms. I got to go buy a whole thing of mushrooms and cook them up because he only wants mushrooms because he's familiar with that. That's what it's like with the podcast, right? They don't, I don't want your new episode. I don't want to hear you talk to this Jordan guy. I'm here for productivity tips. I'm here for self-development. Then you hear Jordan and you go, all right, it wasn't terrible. And then you hear another one later on with uh, Mark Cuban. You go, all right, that was okay. And now when you have a new guest on, they go, oh, I like these. You know, I want to I want to listen to these because because Kevin does a good job with these. Right. That's what you want. But you have to do it over time. You have to build trust with your audience. Not that they don't trust you, but they have to trust that your content is always going to be of value to them. And that goes against what they're thinking, which is, Mm -hmm. look, man, I came here to hear Zig Ziglar quotes and that's it.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Don't don't give me anything else. I just want the mushrooms.
0: Well, I've just experienced it in the past year when I launched the second podcast, the true life, because I wanted to talk about health and wellness specifically. And I didn't know if this was the right place to bring it into. So started the podcast. I thought, well, I'll just promote it on this show. And of course, everybody will go over there and it'll be getting, you know, the same numbers really fast. Mm -hmm not at all. It was so slow. And I feel like now, I don't know if it's been a year or so now I feel like we're really starting to see the ticks up. So then I came and did the motive podcast, same thing. So slow. And I just assumed that by proxy, if they like, listen to me, they'll listen to whatever I talk about, but it was still, it feels like that. It's like this testing and little by little, they're gonna, they're gonna do that. Have you, I'm curious, have you in the past, I don't know, however long, when was the last time you advocated that somebody said you should start a podcast? You're, you're here saying, you know, so often you're saying no. Have you had any where you said, I Man, you are well suited and why?
1: Yeah, I have. And I'm trying to remember what it was because it's not coming to mind right away. I think there was one guy who was really good at telling stories, but he was technically not great. You might say, you know, you, you. one might say a boomer and, you know, he was a really, really good right. storyteller, but he just, you know, every time he tried to record, he'd end up filming a FaceTime video of his left nostril on Zoom and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't working. Right. So I thought, you know, this is a great guy to do a podcast because he doesn't have to do himself up for video. He doesn't like to do that anyway. Just get the guy a room that doesn't make a bunch of noise and a microphone. And so he started telling these stories of back in the day when he was in an uh, organized crime family and how he messed up his life being this mafia hitman. and all. That, and he started telling all these stories. This is pretty interesting stuff. He's well-suited to being on a podcast. You know, he's not going to write a drama or anything. He just has a lot of stories about things that really happened about an era of... You know, Mafia is pretty Americana, right? Mm -hmm. You're a Mafia guy in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Like, you really have and you're at the center of that whole thing, you really do have like this unique look. People are obsessed with The Godfather. People are obsessed with that whole genre. Scarface, That's man. a good podcast, yeah. right? That's yeah. a good time to do a show. But the people who go, I just want a podcast, but I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. Then we have a difficult conversation because I go, why are you so adamant that you have to be in front of the microphone if you literally can't even think about what you could possibly offer? Yeah, that's a, That to me just seems like... I want people to look at me and give me attention, but I don't know what I could do to earn it. Let me think of some excuse to earn it. That's kind of doing it backwards, right? Like great musicians usually start or artists of any kind usually start by doing the art first and getting good at it. They don't go, I really want to be famous. I guess I should learn how to play the guitar. I don't know a ton of people that started off that way.
0: I am tempted to start a new podcast and it's personal development but I only have criminals on the show. That's you go. got to go to the top of the charts by proxy. Hey,
1: I, I think if you, if the, I'm telling you, I interview some of these mafia guys and I go, you know, what's one bit of advice you'd give yourself when you were younger? And it's never what you think. It's never like, <laughs> don't get shot. Don't yeah. get shot. It's always something like, don't get mixed up in all of this or never bring your, the rest of your family into it or, Know when to quit when you're ahead because they always have stories. They're like 40 years old, they have like 10 million dollars, and then they do some stupid thing where they're gonna earn five hundred thousand <laughs> more and they Never to for
0: never say years. go never say no to the chef who gives you great spaghetti and comes out with something different. That's right. That's yeah, right.
1: It's always gonna be something along those lines. Uh, yeah. So you can get good advice from pretty much anyone. I think there is there is something to be said, you know, for uh for cr- getting that advice from, uh, get that advice from, from those unlikely, <laughs> unlikely
0: places. So give me, let, let's, let's end off here. Give me your, I was going to say your top, let's say somebody who is, they're well positioned. This is going to, this is a fit for them. They hear this, they, they've heard everything on the show right now. And they go, you know what, hearing all that I have, I think that this is a good fit for me. I think I'm going to do that. A top, I was going to say like a, 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 a no, no list of you're listening to, I mean, this is an audio experience. This is an audio experience. Mm -hmm. What are some of the top as you listen and audit other shows, your counsel on, you could say it, do this, make sure you do this or, or don't do that. Pet peeves. Can I go that way? Is that a better hook on shows? And I'm not talking about just production quality, but even just you as the Host of a show. Don't do this. And, and what comes to mind to me is back when I was hacking away at it, it wasn't until I got an iTunes review and said, Man, the content's pretty good, but Kevin talked for like eight minutes uh-huh. before we got to it. Presenting, I don't know what I was doing back then. And now I try to stay uh, somewhere around what you yeah, listen, I've, I've literally audited some years and you're know, like a minute and a half until you get to the person.
1: My intros and yeah, stuff. Yeah. 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 I. I keep the intro short. I also make sure that my audio quality is good. I, I know that sounds really basic, but there, you've yeah. seen, you know, we've, yeah. we've seen it all before. People are unforgiving
0: right? of audio quality. I feel like I could put the best thing out and if the audio is off, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's actually, I don't know if you'd call it science per se, but there are studies where people say uh, they, they did some experiments with YouTube, I want to say. And it was... The video is grainy and the angles of the camera were off and the colors were bad and they did all these things to alter the video and nobody really cared. But when they messed with the audio, people were like, I can't finish this because your brain can fill in the blanks with vision because, you know, we're used to seeing in low light. We're used to seeing at weird angles. We're used to our brains are really good at painting connecting the dots or painting between the, the lines. I'm I'm mixing my metaphors yeah, I here. Got it. I got it. But our brains are not great at hearing a part of something and having it cut off. Yeah. Because we're not really evolved that way if you think about it. Like if I'm talking to you, you don't hear half of a word. And then the other half goes out and then fades back in and has static over it. That doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of times where we might be interacting and you can't see me clearly. So our brains are really good at that. And this is just that's just again scientific theory. But what they sh- what they saw was that people cannot. They're, like you said, they're unforgiving when the audio's bad, but very forgiving when the video isn't great. Interesting. So, the audio has to be good. Okay. You know, don't set up your microphone on the table if you're going to bang the table with your hands when you talk. Nobody wants to hear. And then clang, he clang, went to the clang store, and it was clang, clang, clang. Nobody wants that. You know, and nobody wants to hear you doing those plosives into the microphone. I'm trying to get her. I, I can't even do it because I have a pop filter, but you know, like, boom. Yeah. It doesn't even work on my mic. I have it tuned. But you know, that, that like air sound blasting in, you don't want to get that. Too often, you don't want any of those verbal tics. You don't want a lot of ums and uhs, filler words, things that drive people crazy, up talk. You have to be quite careful in the way you craft your speech. Now, you can fix that by recording yourself and editing your own show because you will hear all of the things that make you cringe and eventually you'll stop. I also recommend going on those websites that have cheap lessons like Preply and Finding a Singing Teacher Hmm. And just saying, I want to get filler words and up talk and other things out of my vocabulary. And for like 30 bucks an hour, someone in Ukraine will work
0: with you for an hour. What's up talk? I don't don't even know what you're talking about. Up
1: talk is like when I I say everything and it's like a question and it's kind of annoying Uh uh and it's like what teenagers do. And then you kind of don't really, it it makes you not trust that person. That's so funny because
0: I tune in sometimes, I guess you'd call it down talk where everything you say ends down here. And then you start talking up here and you, I think maybe I've done that. It's like a
1: low energy sort of. fall off i don't know what you even call that right that's yeah your energy falls off that's that also obviously not great it's kind of eeyore yeah so you you know get a voice teacher that'll help you but really it's about room acoustics you know people go i got a 489 eighty nine dollar microphone it's great cool you have glass on three sides you got a lawnmower going out there you got you know it sounds like you're in a bathroom Get a decent microphone that's designed for not studio use, unless you have a studio that you're using. Get a regular... It's funny, it's ironic that cheaper mics tend to be better for this because you really... You don't want it to pick up everything. You're not Mariah Carey dropping a Christmas album. You know, yeah. you need... You need a microphone that picks you up when you're talking into it and doesn't pick up your wife cooking in three rooms away and your kids playing Legos and throwing things, you know, throwing the Xbox controller around. You don't want that. Get some acoustic panels. They're like 80 bucks each. If you really need to throw a rug down, you know, look at Google things like room acoustics. It's really easy to sort of fix that stuff. But that is really it, man. Work on your voice. Make sure you've got an okay mic in a decent room and well, you're good. What,
0: what about the things fun. just like, uh, I, cause I noticed you, you talk about production. So on this side, you're saying from the, the literal audio quality, high, high mm-hmm. production, but then as far as, I don't even know how to say it production, as far as, you know, music and dings and, 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 and the, uh, some of the stuff that I've seen in the past. And I did some, I don't know you have, do you have any music at all? Maybe it's a little ditty here that just a, is a prelude to jumping from one segment to another
1: music. Do I have music? Yeah. In the, I... in the production. Yeah. I
0: mean, cause there's a lot of people, when you go to Tim Ferris's podcast, it's been a while, but he has some, yeah, you know, some music that, I can't remember what it, what it is, but he always has some music coming in. I see people doing that a lot. They'll come in, there's music. They're trying to make this sound really professional. And yet I see a guy like you and it's really simple.
1: Yeah. I keep it really simple. I think, I, I think a lot of people that put a lot of music in there, they are adding major moving parts (laughs) to something that doesn't need it nobody has ever written me and gone you know what you need man music in fact the only people that have written me to say that are these radio consultants that offer to sell me unreasonably priced consulting on how i can make my show better and i i can't ever i don't want to be a jerk about this but i kind of go okay well what's your experience Oh, 23 years ago, you worked on someone else's show that was half the size of mine. Pass. I'm w- gonna pass. WKRP
0: K- in Cincinnati, yeah.
1: Right, yeah, if that. And I'm thinking, no, I've, I don't need musical beds during my ads because that makes them sound more like ads and less like me talking about a product, which is one, what the advertiser paid for, and two, way less annoying to the audience. You know, if I say... You ever, do you ever listen to the radio now? Probably not.
0: Uh, once in a blue moon, I'll be in a rental once car, a and I can't figure out how to do anything else but turn I'm on FM. You. Yeah,
1: You know those stupid ads that are like, yeah, Jared, the Galleria of Jewelry, buy a wedding ring for $1,200, and you're like, oh, my God, I've heard this commercial for 30 freaking years. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear no one loves hearing those commercials that are annoying and, and they, they replay over and over and over. But I could come on my show and go, hey, you know, this company, Jared, you probably heard of them. They're the ones with the annoying radio commercials. They sent me one of their new wedding bands and it is really comfortable and it looks great. It feels heavy, but the thing was only like 900 bucks. Go to jaredcom slash Jordan. This is not a real spot, obviously, you know, and check them out. They got a whole line here for younger guys that want to be able to work out in it. They don't want to worry about scratching their gold ring. That is way less annoying and going to convert about a million times better than an ad. So when people go, oh, ad music, I go, "Mm, nope, I'm not going to do that. This isn't radio. I don't need explosions to make my show interesting. I have intellectual content that people actually want to hear. I'm not trying to get someone radio people who, who insist on music. And that's usually the only people that do. They need that because. If you're on the radio, you're sifting through 87 channels to find the one that's interesting. You need an explosion in a guitar riff in order to catch people's attention. If people are going, oh, look, an interview with Kobe Bryant or Danny Trejo or Malcolm Gladwell, I don't need to go and also check out this really cool music for the next 65 seconds. They're like, get to the point, man. I came here for Gladwell. I don't care about your guitar riffs. You don't need any of that stuff. The, the best podcasts around, they might have a little jingle that associates you with the show. I use little bits of music to yeah. separate the intro from the show interview uh, and also to say like, hey, there's an ad break. This isn't just part of the conversation I have. But it's like a little two second thing. It's yeah. not this is not 12 minutes of my cool hip hop track that I had produced that makes me look gangster. I mean, all of that's a waste of time.
0: No, I feel like you do a great job of doing that, of serving me as the listener by giving me the little cues so I know what to expect and I know what's coming. And again, I've modeled so much after how you have crafted it because uh, obviously the masterfulness shows up in your numbers. Man, this is what I hoped for. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. I'm going to continue just to talk about this show and about people going to your show, no matter if, obviously, if they want to listen to the content of the Jordan Harbinger show, but also if they just, if they're going to do a podcast, go listen to how to do a good show, even if they are doing whatever the figurines that you were talking about, uh, where I love your examples throughout this thing, but you do a good show. I'm, uh, I'm a fan of your craft. Thanks for sharing what you have with me today. Yeah, my pleasure, man. I really appreciate the opportunity
1: to talk about this. You know, for me, I'm I'm big into podcasting. I like encouraging creators to start shows but I like discouraging people from trying to monetize it right away because they're just going to end up disappointed. That's why. So I want to kind of wrap with that because people go, oh, that was a little negative in the beginning. Don't try to make money from it. You will be disappointed. I'm saving you time right now by telling you that it's not going to work in terms of money so that you later on, you're not
0: annoyed that you spent $700 on stuff. Okay. But if it's a hobby, coolest hobby ever, in my opinion, beauty, same thing that my dad would say about books. Don't do it for the money. Do it for a bigger reason. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Well, there you go, friends. Wisdom from a master podcaster, Jordan Harbinger. Go find the Jordan Harbinger Show wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up in episode 878, Tom ago and I discuss marketing, lead generation, and sales. Which do you need most for your business? I did a survey and we'll talk about the comments and our thoughts. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.